You're listening to a podcast from Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. This is highlights from our weekly service. Good evening and welcome to Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. We're a small church based at the centre of Newcastle upon Tyne, but we are part of a international community of churches that believe in the inclusive love of God for all people. Because of the advice to physically close our church doors, we are inviting you to the Lord's table via the internet. So to all our regular members, to those of you who have wanted to come but haven't been able to because of the distance or because of ill health, And for those of you who are joining us for the very first time, welcome. Today is the fourth Sunday of Lent, and our theme, The Light Reveals What is Hidden, reminds us that through the eyes of faith, we as Christians are asked to see the world differently to other people, to see the potential, to see the joy, to see the hope is particularly a challenge in these days. But we are asked to trust in God. David will open the word of God to us after our readings. But I wanted to share with you something as we begin our service. In our first reading, we hear how God sent Samuel to find and anoint a new king. Samuel repeatedly mistakes different people because of their grand appearance. And it's then that we hear God speak to him. Samuel, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at outward appearances, but the Lord looks at the heart. Let's take a moment to recognize that wherever we are, We are in God's presence. And let's turn our hearts and minds to him. Let us pray. God of all compassion, open our eyes to the beauty of your creation, to the blessings you pour out upon us to the goodness of others. Give us the grace to see the hurt and suffering in others, and may our love of you lead us to reach out your hand and offer your peace and healing to all we meet. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. We listen to God's word. From the first book of Samuel, chapter 16 verses 1 to 7 and 10 to 13. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. 
And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. And you shall anoint for me the one who I name for you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him, trembling, and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look upon his appearance or the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him. And now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. A reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 9, verses 1 through 41. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither he nor his parents sinned. It is so that the works of God might be made visible through him. We have to do the works of the one who sent me while it is day. 
Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he said this, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva and smeared the clay on his eyes. He said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back and was able to see. His neighbours and those who had seen him earlier as a beggar said, Isn't this the one who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is. But others said, No, he just looks like him. He said, I am. And so they said to him, How are your eyes opened? He replied, The man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes, and he told me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went there and washed and was able to see. And they said to him, Where is he? And he said, I don't know. They brought the one who was once blind to the Pharisees. Now Jesus had made clay and opened his eyes on a Sabbath. So then the Pharisees also asked him how he was able to see. And he said to them, He put clay on my eyes and I washed and now I can see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a sinful man do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said to the blind man again, What do you have to say about him since he opened your eyes? And he said, He is a prophet. Now the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and gained his sight until they summoned the parents of the one who had gained his sight. They asked him, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How does he now see? His parents answered and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. We do not know how he sees now, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he can speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone acknowledged him as the Christ, he would be expelled from the synagogue. For this reason his parents said, He is of age, question him. So a second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give God the praise, we know that this man is a sinner. And he replied, If he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know is that I was blind and now I see. So they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? They ridiculed him and said, You are that man's disciple. We are the disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but we do not know where this man is from. The man answered them and said, This is what is so amazing, that you do not know where he is from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if one is devout and does his will, he listens to him. It is unheard of that anyone ever opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this were not a man from God, he would not be able to do anything. They answered and said to him, You were born totally in sin, and are you trying to teach us? Then they threw him out. When Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, he found him and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered and said, 
Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, the one speaking with you is he. He said, I do believe, Lord, and he worshipped him. Then Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see might see, and those who do see might become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard this, and they said to him, Surely we are not also blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you are blind, you would have no sin, but now you are saying we see, so your sins remain. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be found acceptable to you, O God. Amen. President Trump calls it the Chinese virus, and we're all tempted to seek someone to blame for the crisis we're in at present. Who sinned is the question, as we flounder around unsure about what we should be doing or not doing. Who sinned was the Pharisees' question when Jesus met a blind man. They were seeking someone to blame. Nobody was the answer. Rather, the blindness was an opportunity for God's work to be revealed in the man. We use, I've already used it, we use the word crisis. It's a Greek word meaning sifting, sorting. In other words, judgment. Later in our Gospel reading, we have Jesus saying to the Pharisees, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may become blind. <clears throat> in other words, those religious people who would not move on from relying on the law of Moses into the light offered by Christ remained in darkness. The story of the man whose sight was given to him is the story of someone moving into the light of Christ, of Christ, the light of the world. We can understand the story as representing a real crisis for the Pharisees. They are being sorted, sifted, judged, and found wanting. They claim to see, but do not, and so your guilt remains. The man formerly blind does not seem to be educated and knowledgeable like the Pharisees, but he finishes up saying, I believe, and worshipping Jesus. The idea of crisis also includes the idea of opportunity. In at least one of the Chinese languages, the same word is used for both crisis and opportunity. In the Gospel story, both the man born blind and the Pharisees were offered opportunities, but only the man born blind took up his opportunity, an opportunity to set out on an entirely new path through his life, walking as a child of light, as the letter to the Ephesians puts it, bearing witness to Jesus Christ, the light of the world. On the 6th of April, 1945, a young Danish sailor was shot dead by the Nazis. Aged 21, Kim Martha Brun had belonged to a resistance group, and over the previous few weeks he had been terribly tortured. About a fortnight before his death, he wrote in a letter, Since then I have often thought of Jesus. I can well understand the measureless love he felt for all men, this was 1945, 
and especially for those who took part in driving the nails into his hands. From the moment he left Gethsemane, he stood high above all passion. And so we can say that Jesus also stood high above all tendency to blame his enemies. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. We're not faced with death by firing squad. We are not faced by death by crucifixion. Some of us might get ill. A few of us might even die. But I wonder if that young Dane was strengthened by the words of the 23rd Psalm, especially the defiant line, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. You might know the old saying, Trust in God and keep your powder dry. The powder in question was gunpowder, and it had to be put into the guns that soldiers carried in battle centuries ago. And obviously this gunpowder had to be kept dry if it was to explode and send out the missile from the barrel of the gun. But trust in God as well. Battles are not just about guns working or not. And God isn't a magician who will keep the bullets dry, the gunpowder dry. They're about, they're about the whole business of human conflict. Rivalries, tensions between good and evil, ambiguity, and so much more. Being practical and keeping your powder dry, however necessary, is of limited use in the overall scheme of things. We need something greater, and for believers, that is God. Going further into that principle, we can think about some words of the starret Siluan, a Russian monk who died in 1938. He wrote, Keep your mind in hell and do not despair. Keep your mind in hell and do not despair. In keeping our minds in hell, we are walking alongside those in distress, those who are suffering, while at the same time, by not despairing, <coughs> we are trusting in God. We are walking through the valley of the shadow of death in trust. I fear no evil, for you are with me. <coughs> That's looking at a problem, at today's big problem, rather on the grand scale, recognising that nothing is clear-cut and totally un unambiguous. Within that, we have to keep our powder dry, acknowledging the need to take all the practical precautions that we are told about. Jesus on the cross sums up the teaching of our Gospel reading. In one sense, he has been overcome by the powers of hell. The shadow of death has consumed him. But in a much greater sense, he has proved to be the light of the world. Christians believe that in some way which we cannot fully understand, Jesus the Christ is with us still, enabling people to see the truth about our ultimate relationship with God and about our relationships with the rest of creation. The man born blind cottoned on to that. The learned religious Pharisees did not, or would not. The government and the NHS will advise us on the practicalities of our present crisis, and we should follow that advice as fully as we can. But if we will let him, Christ the light of the world will truly reveal to us the way we should go in terms of our deepest selves and in terms of our place in the world, and that we need fear no evil, no real evil. Christ does, in fact, demonstrate to us the God of hope, 
Many people have recognised that we do not know what the world, our world, will be like when this illness has passed. Events will surely prove the point about a crisis being a time of judgment and opportunity. So, let's keep our powder dry, but also really trust in God. Amen. Thank you, David, for those words. In today's gospel, we're left in no doubt that if, through faith, our eyes are open to the truth, we have a duty to proclaim God's good news to the world. And as disciples of Jesus, to continue his ministry of healing. With that in mind, let us turn to God, our mother, and pray. response to each petition is, loving God, come to our aid. We pray for the world as we struggle to deal with the coronavirus. May world leaders Look beyond borders and political gains and work together, sharing what resources they have to find a cure and to ease the suffering of all. Loving God, come to our aid. We pray for our world. As we humans cease to pollute and hurt our world with our selfish ways of life, may we come to see it as a gift and grow to cherish it. Loving God, come to our aid. We pray for all people of faith. May we be a source of God's light to all those who live in the darkness of fear, doubt and despair. Loving God, come to our aid. As followers of Christ, may we too reach out with the Lord's hand to ease the burden of our brothers, sisters and siblings. May the compassion of Christ, who was always ready to offer healing and mercy, compel us to help our neighbour in the days ahead. Loving God, come to our aid. We pray for all those who work to help us, from medical practitioners, carers, teachers, shop workers, factory workers, lorry drivers, farmers, bakers, refuse collectors, 
and all those who work to help us. May God bless them and keep them healthy as they work for each of us. Loving God, come to our aid. As Jesus was led into the wilderness for 40 days, we pray for all those who are in self-isolation. May they each experience the presence of Jesus in a new and meaningful way. Loving God, come to our aid. We pray for those who have died. May the promise made to the sinner on the cross be for them fulfilled, that they too be with Jesus in paradise. And we pray for those who mourn for them. May they be comforted in their suffering. Loving God, come to our aid. We take a moment to make our own prayers. Remembering the intentions in our book of prayer requests, we come to God, our Father, as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Loving God, you are attentive to the prayers of our hearts. Hear your people today, spread out across this country and the world. For we make them through your Son, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Together we say the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. And may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you and all those whom you love tonight and in the week to come. Amen. Our service has ended. Go with the joy and the peace of Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about what we do, you can find us on social media or visit our website, northernlightsmcc.com dot org dot uk